Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the book of Matthew about the visitation of the wise men. As we learn about the account and the gifts they brought, think about the ultimate gift of Christ our Savior, who is truly giving the gift in the Christmas season. Also, what can you give to God to make more room for the Savior? What can you give to others? This season, let us re-gift the gifts that God has so graciously bestowed upon us. And now, here's Pastor Eric. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open to Matthew chapter 2. The words will appear on the screen. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, uh, that's going to be on page number 808. If you don't have an English Standard Version Bible and you would like one, that Black Pew Bible is our gift to you today. We like to give those away, so feel free to take one. Uh, Page 808, Matthew chapter 2. I've titled this morning's sermon, The Gift of Gifts, King Jesus. I don't know if your shopping is done. Mine hasn't even started, right? But uh, that's just kind of typical for me this year. But Christmas is certainly a time of, of giving gifts, of giving presents, of receiving gifts and receiving presents. And when it comes to a gift or it comes to a present, the truth is you either like the gift or dislike the gift right? I mean, you either like it or dislike it. You either have joy or you have jealousy. Now, I know we all can, can re- recall times of some kid, maybe it was us or maybe it was the kid in the family, either liking the gift or disliking the gift, right? The kid liked the gift and you, it, maybe it was you or it was your kid and it warmed your heart or the kid disliked the gift and you thought you spoiled little brat, you know, you're just like, they don't like the gift. Or maybe you can recall a story of kids being jealous over somebody else's better gift, right? Oh, their gift is better than mine. Again, you wanted to, like, you spoil a little brat, right? Just me? No. Um, we all have those times, right? Like, like, you either like it or you dislike it. You either have joy or you have jealousy, and we've seen this play out in our, in our families. Well, King Jesus is the gift of gifts. Amen? Amen? Jesus Christ is the gift of gifts, and the truth is you either love or hate You either worship or reject the capital G gift, right? You either love the capital G gift or you hate it. You either worship the capital G gift or you're jealous of his lordship and you say, no, I reject that gift. I don't like that gift. So I want us to think about this morning, number one, the motives of the giver, and then number two, the feelings of the receiver. So when you think about a gift, and maybe you should think about it this season as you unwrap or as you wrap, the gift that you may receive, it may tell you something uh, about the person, the, the giver. It may tell you maybe about yourself as the receiver, right? The gift may show you the giver's heart, like how much love they put into it and how much they think of you and care about you. It may show you the giver's motives, like what they're doing, maybe they're giving you that gift just to stay out of the dog. I don't know, maybe they have different motives or because you're, like the gift tells you something about the heart, tells you something about the motives. It may tell you something about the person's taste. 
You say, well, that, they bought that. They, they have good taste, or that's their taste, and they like that. Or the gift may show you that you're loved. The gift may show you your love, or the gift may show you your need. Think about that. This time of year, you do, but many people in our world don't like the gift. Why? Because it tells them the needful truth. Some hearts actually say about Christmas, no, I don't, I don't want that gift. I don't want that this year. So listen to what one pastor says, pastor and author uh, Tim Keller, who pastors in New York City. Tough crowd, right? If you think the children's message was a tough crowd, can you imagine pastoring there in, in New York City? And this is what he says, and it, it, it brings to our attention this thought about the the giver's motives, and also the, the feelings of receiving a gift. Listen to what he writes. You might be thinking, how sweet of God to give us His Son at Christmas. But some gifts tell us things about ourselves that we might not want to hear. When you open some gifts, you say to yourself, am I really like that? Suppose one of the gifts under our tree this year is a year's supply of Rogaine. <laughs> Suppose I open another and it's a book, How to Lose 50 Pounds. Suppose I open a third gift and it's a case of deodorant. So if I turn to the people who've given me these things and say, thanks, what I'm really saying is I'm bald, I'm fat, and I have body odor. So it wasn't just sweet of God to give His Son. Do you know what that means? We were so bad off that nothing less than the suffering and death of the Son of God could rescue us. When you look at God's gift to us and say to yourself, are we really that broken? The answer is yes. Yes. You see, the gift is sweet, but the gift also shows us, ouch, ooh, that's our need. And some this season say, no, I don't want that gift. I don't want the true meaning of Christmas because it tells me that I'm a sinner. It tells me that I'm broken. It tells me that there is one way, Christ's way. I don't like that gift. Well, you have to do something with the gift. What really makes a gift offensive anyway? Have you thought about it? An offensive gift might be in the eyes of the beholder. Maybe an appliance is an offensive gift if it tells you you need to cook better or more or, or, or clean, or maybe a vacuum is an offensive gift if it tells you you need to work more or work harder or work better. So I'm just saying from experience, husbands, unless she asks for it, it might be a risky move, right, getting the appliance, because they interpret it, hey, that offends me. You're telling me that I need to, all I need to do is work and clean and, and do this and that. So unless she asks. Some people look at the sacrifice of Christ and say, oh, that offends me because it, it tells me the gospel truth and the need of my heart. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, and I want us to think about and look at the people in God's Word, the people in the gift, capital G, the people in the gift. As Matthew writes his gospel account, he wants us to compare and contrast King Herod and King Jesus. Matthew writes, and his perspective is this, Matthew wants to present Jesus as king. Luke wants to present Jesus as human. Mark wants to present Jesus as servant. John wants to present Jesus as God. Why four Gospels? They each give us a different perspective. 
So in keeping with Matthew's kingly account that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the King of the Jews, he's going to put this account about King Herod, the wise men, and King Jesus. And we are meant to compare and contrast King Herod and King Jesus. We are meant to compare and contrast Herod and the, the Magi, the, the wise men. I almost called them Wagi. <laughs> so as we come to this familiar story, the point is not the star. The point is not the wise men or the gifts. These are simply signs pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate king. Jesus is the ultimate wise man. Jesus is the ultimate star of Bethlehem. Everything points to Christ. So we have to learn to say this Sunday and this season, just like the wise men, we have come to worship Him. So let's look at the first 15 verses. God's Word. This is what we've come for. Now after, after, key word, after. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, magi in the Greek. Daniel was one of those in Babylon. Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he? who's been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And I hope you have too. Verse 3, when Herod heard this, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ, that's a title, not a last name, it means anointed one, it means Messiah, Prophets, priests, and kings were anointed where the Christ was to be born. And the chief priests and scribes got it right. They knew the Old Testament prophecies. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you, out of you, shall come a ruler, a leader, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Liar. <laughs> you liar. You pretender. Verse 9, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Child was. When they saw this star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Do you understand? Matthew says two words, joyced. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, like joy, joy, joy. Today's the joy day. They were very, very glad and happy. Verse 11, and going into the keyword house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down, and they worshiped him, foreheads to the floor. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Three are mentioned, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he 
took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. This is the word of the Lord. There are some key words there. We began with that one after. It says, after Jesus' birth, wise men came. Wise men, not kings. We sing it wrong. They weren't kings. They were magi. What's a magi? Gentile scientists, astronomers, sages. So the first Christmas was multicultural before it was popular. They were different ethnicity. They came. We're told about three gifts, not three kings. We say three because of the three gifts. They probably were more than, more than three. You don't travel in groups of three. You travel in more people. And so when we sing we three kings, we're singing like two lives, right? It was who knows how many. We know three gifts, but who knows how many wise men and not kings. And they came. They came looking for the king. Where is the king of the Jews? We saw his star. We, we studied this. We're looking for the king of the Jews. Notice Jesus was king of the Jews at his birth, but he was also king of the Jews when they nailed that sign at Calvary's cross, right? King of the Jews. Oh, no, don't tell, call him king of the Jews. Say that he said he was the king of the Jews. We don't, we don't want him. That's why we're crucifying him. The Bible says the wise men came and said, we have to worship him. We want to worship him. Well, Herod says, well, where is this guy born? Well, in Bethlehem, because out of that city, out of the tribe of Judah, a ruler would come, a leader. The star reappears. Another key word, there is that great joy that the wise men have in their hearts. And they find him, not so much in a manger, but in a house. They find him there. Herod finds out later on, and he decides that, He's going to destroy him. So the angel says, Joseph, get up, take your boy to Egypt because Herod, verse 13, is going to seek to destroy him. So this event occurs, notice the three words, sometime after Jesus' birth when he was in a house, a home, and he was a child. The Greek word there for child is different from the Greek word that you would use for infant. Two different words. So some say this is not at the manger scene. We get that wrong too. This was maybe two months after. He's, Christ, the child, is maybe anywhere from two months old to two years old. Uh, Professor D.A. Carson suggests anywhere from six months old to 20 months old. So it may be new to some of us, right? We always put the wise men at, uh, at the manger, and it's, it's incorrect. They were maybe on their way. They were traveling, but they just didn't get there. When they got there, they got to a house. They, they found a child there. It was after. Maybe if you have a tough time believing me, let me give you some people that you know. You know David Jeremiah, that great preacher. David Jeremiah says, and I quote, We do not know exactly when the wise men came to worship Jesus, but we know some things that most people don't want to accept, and that is, as much as it works for us to have the wise men at the manger in our traditional nativity, nativity scenes, the wise men weren't at the manger. In fact, the wise men did not really connect with the Lord Jesus until almost two years after he was born. The wise men weren't there when the shepherds were. They came at a different time. And Matthew tells us that when the wise men came to the house where the star had led him. Some of you like Pastor John MacArthur. Listen to his words. John MacArthur says about verse 11, verse 11, and when they were coming to the house, by this time they're in a house, not a stable anymore. The baby's a few months old now and they found a place to stay until they can gain 
the strength to go wherever God's going to tell them to go because they know it's a new life for them. They have the Son of God now. So at Christmas, we do have to do some cleanup. Wednesday night on the way home, we were talking, my kids were asking about the manger out front, and they were saying, did it really look like that? I said, no, it didn't look like that. And we talked about the possibility of a cave or a guest house or the manger and all the different possibilities of what that was like. And we talked about the wise men and the three kings, and we talked about the innkeeper. What innkeeper? Right? He's not in the Bible. The only phrase is, there was no room in the inn. It doesn't say that. that we, we, there's so much that we, that we do in our plays and different things, you know, that we kind of have to say, all right, well, what's, what's the truth? We're to compare and contrast King Herod and King Jesus. Did you notice in verse 8, Herod is troubled by this, and he says, go and search, and, and search diligently so I can worship. He pretends, doesn't he? And many still do. He lies in verse 8. So I can worship him. You know what? This, this season, some people, especially in the Bible Belt, they pretend. They pretend to worship the real and true meaning of Christmas. But if you don't, that's just a live lie. Oh, yeah, yeah we, we, yes, we, we, I celebrate the real meaning of Christmas. Yeah, really? You're just kind of like Herod, just kind of pretending that you do. And what are you really worshiping this time of year? Right? He eventually, Christ and Joseph, Mary go to Egypt. We just got out of a series in Genesis on the life of Joseph. He goes to Egypt just like Joseph, just like Moses, just like many before. He repeats Israel. He will come out of Egypt. But let's think about the gifts. Gifts are presented. It's why we give gifts this time of year. We're following that gift-giving Tradition. Gifts are presented. Yet, who really presents who with a gift? Are the Magi giving treasures? Or is the greatest treasure ever given sitting in a lap? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Who really gives the gift? Jesus is the perfect gift. He is what I've titled the gift of gifts. He's the gift of gifts. He's the gift we need. He is the priceless gift. Confession. I've been known to re-gift. What about you? Any re-gifters? None, no, nobody that would claim it. Thank you, thank you for your honesty. I see that hand. God bless you, right? No, you, you probably have too. We, we've been known to re-gift. Have you ever re-gifted? Actually, the best we can do is re-gift God's gifts to us. That's all they were doing. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. The best the wise men could do was re-gift God's gifts. The best that we can do today in our international missions offering is re-gift. That's all I'm doing. God, what can I give you? If I was a shepherd, I'd give a laugh. If I was a wise man, I'd do my part. What can I give you? I'll give you my heart. But I'm really just re-gifting all that you've done for me. It's amazing. Wise men re-gifting. We should too. So what will you give back to God this year? I would just say this. Just start simple and then move deeper as God leads. Let's keep reading and see how the story plays out. We left off in verse 16, so we'll pick up in verse 16. What gift. Amazing, amazing gift. Christ Jesus. Verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, they get revelation. Go! Herod is going to destroy the child. They don't go back to him. 
When Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, he became furious. I'm going to tell you about this guy in a minute. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old and under. Why two years old? Well, that makes sense. Anywhere from six months to two years when the wise men came. This is after. He says, I'm going to do two years and under. All the males in that region, in that city of Bethlehem. According to the time that he'd ascertained from the wise men, verse 17, this was fulfilled. Uh, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. <laughs> Just like the Joseph in Genesis would come out. Go, go. And Exodus, his bones, and Moses leading the people out, and go back to the land of Israel. And, and so Joseph, he rose, he took the child and his mother, and they went to the land of Israel. Here we read, and we read about the massacre. The massacre of the innocents. How many of you know tragedy takes no holiday? Cut on the news, and we pray for those in Kentucky, right? Tragedy takes no holiday. Even in our community this week, we, we saw two killed in a house fire, a young baby and a mom, and we're thinking, oh, and we're crying for that family. And then we saw a high school freshman pass away, and we're crying for that family. Tragedy takes no holiday, and tragedy was there at Christ's first advent. Herod leads it. He kills. This is a man named Herod the Great. It is not Herod Antipas who is his son, who was at Jesus' death. Different Herod, his son. This is Herod the Great. And this Herod was a madman. He obtained his position by unjust ways. Catch this. His own son tried to poison him. This Herod, Herod the Great, killed 45 noblemen. He killed a mother-in-law. Don't you say amen. He killed a brother-in-law. He killed two nephews. He killed a wife. He killed three sons. He was mad. He lived in paranoia. He always thought somebody was taking over his throne. He just killed anybody. He's crazy. So of course he wants to kill. He's an evil king. Even Emperor Augustus said this. He made a play on words. He says, it's better to be Herod's sow than his son. Better to be his sow than his son. In the Greek, it's uh, two, two words like with an H. And it's, it's even like sow and like that in, in the Greek. Augustus said, yeah, it's better to be his pig than to be his relative because he'll kill you. And he did that. He kills the baby boys in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. But one commentator says maybe as few as 20 boys were killed. The, the estimates go anywhere from like 20 to like 1,000. But Bethlehem at this time, small, in that region, and he's two and under males, so how many baby boys were there? Well, we don't know. Maybe not as many as we would imagine. Maybe more. Herod's killing babies, attempting to kill Christ, killing Christmas, attempting to, and many still try. Many people and things still try to take away the child, right? Take away the Savior, take away the meaning, take away the worship, take away the King. You can't kill Christmas. Good try. Sacrificing something. You know, we all must, we all do sacrifice something. Herod wants to sacrifice other boys. The wise men want to sacrifice gifts. And this is it. You will either sacrifice the truth 
or yourself. You're always making a sacrifice. Herod says, I'll sacrifice the truth. I'll sacrifice other lives. The wise man says, we'll sacrifice ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll give gifts. Everybody's sacrificing something this year. So as we close, let's just make some comments contrasting the characters. Let's think about the gift and the people and the contrasting of the characters. Let's first contrast the Magi and Herod. This is what we see. Worship and joy and giving versus rejection and anger and taking. Worship versus rejection. Joy versus anger. The giving of gifts, taking of lives. Let's contrast King Herod and King Jesus. We see one king's concerned about self, his throne. But the king of kings is concerned about the world. One takes life, the other gives life. One is a king of violence, the other is a king of peace. He's called the prince of peace. One has a temporary rule, the other has an eternal kingdom. We see murder versus salvation. He come to save. Matthew intends for us to see all of these things. So Jesus is king. He is the anointed king. Here at infancy, at the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, and even before Pilate, are you a king? Yes. Yes. <laughs> even the wise men knew it. The king is the gift. The wise men were seekers. They were seeking the king of kings and they found him. And you can too this season. You can seek him and you can find him. Call on the name of the Lord while today's the day of salvation. Jesus is the gift of gifts. The greatest gift meets the greatest need. The greatest gift shows the greatest heart. And the greatest gift comes complete. You don't have to add anything to it. The gift, capital G, is wonderful, loving, powerful, wise, immeasurable, eternal, needful, useful, gracious, free, and effective forever. Praise God. So we follow the tradition of the Magi, we give presents, and we even render ourselves to Him. We give worship, joy, obedience. So this season, I just encourage you, embrace the gift. Adore the gift, the gift of God. Have you? Will you? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.